Hello and welcome to the Catholic Nerds Podcast, your most courageous, most chaste, most obedient source for quality Catholic nerdery. This is Scott and Eric. We are perhaps a little short staffed tonight, but uh, the feast... I'm, I'm six two, so I don't know if that's yeah, that's true. We're both we're both six two, yeah. Yeah, so or I used I used to be six two, and then well, that's a long the story. Knees, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> not old. Oh, which you're is getting, you're, you're compact. <laughs> yeah, I compacted. <laughs> I I got old, not like Saint Joseph. We wanted to have a uh, special night on St. Joseph because that feast day is approaching. And if you're listening to this, you're probably listening on St. Joseph's feast day. Um, I really wanted to celebrate St. Joseph this year. I do have a book coming out with Father Calloway. Um, Father Calloway's huge, successful book, Consecration of St. Joseph, we are co-authoring um, I am his co-author, I should say, the oh, nice. Consecration to St. Joseph for Children and Families. And that's coming out this May, so look out for that. But so for too long, for so long, St. Joseph kind of stood in the shadows, humbly, meekly, no one really um, paying much attention to him. And there's some things that are confused about him as well. And so I wanted to talk tonight about his age because there's some new research that Dr. Petrie put out, Dr. Brant Petrie and his The Hidden King. And I'll provide the link to that three-part lecture that you can get the online. It's a MP3 available online from Catholic Productions. He actually provides evidence, biblical evidence for the age of St. Joseph. Okay, so we're finally definitively saying that he's a crippled old man, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, so yeah, for a good swath of the church's history, uh, even though saints and church fathers were saying otherwise, it, it crept into our artwork that St. Joseph was an old man. And not just kind of old, not just like retirement age, but really old like Abraham old mm. that the, and this, this came from the proto evangelium of St. James, which was an apocryphal work that was not included in the, in the canon. And there's some good parts to it. Uh, it's actually, ironically, the Quran, the Muslim holy book uses a lot from the proto evangelium of St. James. And that's why it's so Marian. Ah. There's some good stuff from it, but there's some not not accurate stuff. Uh, one of those is that whenever that was written, they wanted to really emphasize the, the perpetual virginity of Mary. So the way they did that was to marry her, to marry Mary, to a really old widower. Talking like 98, 99 years old. Mm-hmm. And... That depiction of St. Joseph has stuck with us for a long, long time. And it's interesting that we're finally unveiling, like he's taking off his old man mask, like Scooby-Doo, <laughs> you know, could have gotten away with it, except all you meddling kids. 
It's it's right when we need a a icon of manhood the most in our in our church's history that we're bringing Saint Joseph finally out of the shadows, and this is a very cool time in church history. Yeah, definitely with the with the way like men are just so. I don't know if I'm using the right word or not, but so emasculated today. Oh yeah, absolutely. So like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it very, uh, very succinctly, but it, it just manliness has kind of left our culture and it's, but, it's almost looked down upon as something that's, that's evil in a way. Yeah. The toxic idea of toxic masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> And it's, it's sad because I, you know, nobody like my uh, pastor, Father Chris, uh, my, my parish priest, Father Chris Decker, who also does the Catholic underground, like he says, many people lived to the seventies, but nobody survived the seventies. <laughs> I don't know what crept in. I don't know what kind of feminist streak crept in, but it was, it wasn't the uplifting of women. It was the emasculation of men. Yeah. And we found ourselves in a situation, our current situation, or I think it's, I think we have seen vast improvement where a lot of parishes, parish life is run almost entirely by women and men don't feel comfortable leading prayer because maybe for a generation or two, men, fathers haven't been the, the priestly heads of their family, the, right. the leaders of prayer, like St. Joseph. Mm. And that's, that's, what's crazy is that St. Joseph the least indignity of the members of the Holy Family was the one tasked with leading prayer. Mm-hmm. Because that that is the Jewish tradition. Yeah, that's, that's the commandments, right? Mm-hmm. So we need so we're gonna get to this age of Joseph question, uh, which is very cool. But yeah, and we talked we touched on this briefly, but let's just reflect a moment on how long the church in the the great parade of church history, it has taken us 2000 years for St. Joseph to be included in the litany at mass. That's crazy to think about. I mean, what were we doing? (laughs) You know, not not that it was wrong before, but that something special is happening here. Mm. This was kicked off this unveiling of joseph was kicked off in 1870 that's when saint joseph was was finally proclaimed the patron of the universal church by Mm. blessed pope pius the ninth okay okay um so when the pope says something and so much of what i'm saying now is in Father Calloway's Consecration of St. Joseph in that book. And he starts cataloging this incre- the increasing pace of our recognition of St. Joseph. But in 1870, St. Joseph is made patron of the universal church. Not long after that, we see St. Joseph. St. Joseph comes to see us uh, because heaven takes notice when Christ steward on earth, when the Pope, declares something mm-hmm. heaven takes notice eric do you know any of the apparitions where where joseph's going to appear like af- between 1870 and the early 1900s oh no i've never i've never even looked it up honestly 
Isn't it? It's pretty interesting because we're like, we don't think of Joseph apparitions. We think of Mary. Right. Yeah. I, th- I think like mo- many, many men in our day and age, I haven't really thought about St. Joseph that much. And yeah. I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of here as, as a, I'm listening and learning from you as well, Scott. So I, I think St. Joseph only really came on my radar a, li- a lot, like, a couple of years ago, or maybe it was last year when father Calloway's book came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like I mentioned before we start recording, I, I have it somewhere. It's lost in my stack of things I need to read. So, um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I never even heard of this concept that, that St. Joseph was, was a younger man until, yeah. yeah. Um, until the last couple of years, really. Yeah. I mean, why, why would St. Joseph? Yeah uh be and i guess i never turned... i never really thought of it i just i've always heard that he was an older man i never really you know heard the reasoning why i was taught that you know and then that's that's when i especially when i started to get more into my faith about 10 years ago or so i i started kind of understanding that more and i i believed the the reasoning that he was an old man at that point up until recently within the last couple of years and uh you know because going back to the proto-evangelium um just using that as the base for for everything from there and i I had heard a couple other people saying things like he was a younger man and you know it kind of just kind of went by me at that point but yeah so. and i mean you're <laughs> you know you're not a new father you've you've got you've got some veteran status now but yeah. if you're looking for an image of manhood our typical images of saint joseph basically being wheeled out <laughs> by his <Yeah>. young bride <laughs> are not yeah. are not going to uh quicken our pulse are not going to challenge mm. us as men right yeah and it's it's only and we're going to talk tonight about how how we can prove biblically that he is a young man. All right. Awesome. Let's get, yeah. So, so yeah. And just to, just to lead up to that a little bit more, we've got after St. Joseph has declared the patron of the universal church in 1870, uh, heaven takes notice and St. Joseph starts appearing. And one of those first places he's going to appear is, is Ireland, knock Ireland. Now that, this is the apparition of Our Lady of Knock, but St. Joseph was there. Yeah. <laughs> Knocking the door shall be open. Yes. So, like, it's in the rain, this, like, crash, this image, or not image, but the, the, the holy people, mm. uh, Jesus, his blessed mother, Jesus in the form of a lamb, his blessed mother, St. John the Apostle, and Joseph um, appearing at Knock Ireland, uh, for hours, this, they just appeared there in adoration of the lamb. And like underneath uh, where they appeared, it was dry, even though it was raining as Ireland. It's always raining. Mm. And so Joseph appeared there. Uh, another place that Joseph appeared that is often overlooked, but is perhaps one of the greatest Marian apparitions of the 20th century. Can you guess which which one that was? Oh man, uh, Fatima. Yeah, he appeared oh, at Fatima. Nice. So <laughs> on that date when the sun danced, 
Hmm. The sun was moving all around the sky. I think is it Jacinta? I think it was Jacinta. Might have been Lucia. Also saw St. Joseph holding the baby Jesus and together blessing the world. So, yeah. And then you've got some other ones that aren't exactly accepted by the church, uh, like Our Lady of America. St. Joseph is appearing Mm -hmm. in that one. Um, But, yeah, St. Joseph started popping up in all these, like, like Fatima, accepted Marian apparitions. And Our Lady of Knock as well. Very, very important appearances and we just kind of don't notice it so this is leading up to the year of saint joseph that father calloway more you know he doesn't know if if it was his letter to the pope that was brought that just happened one of his i think one of his friends was a friend of an argentine bishop that just happened to be having an audience with the pope and that Archbishop offered to bring Father Calloway's letter to the Pope, asking for a year of St. Joseph. And then Father Calloway, he never got a response to that letter, but then a couple months, maybe five or six months later, mm-hmm. Pope Francis declares the year of St. Joseph. First time that's ever happened as well. Nice. And then we have, then uh, Pope Francis also adds some epithets, some titles to the litany of St. Joseph as well. So this all leading up to this new profound knowledge that the church is coming to regarding St. Joseph. And in his consecration of St. Joseph, Father Calloway sees the, the long history of saints who have had Joseph devotions, devotions to St. Joseph, like, like St. Therese, such other, another big Joseph saint who created the oratory of St. Joseph in Canada. That was St. Andre Bassett and some great Joseph saints. Anyway, let's dig into this, uh, how we can identify that St. Joseph is a young man. So you were saying, Eric, that Steve Ray um, has his, he's a big proponent of a young Joseph. What were you saying about that? Yeah. So his, his angle for, for uh, describing St. Joseph as a young man is going off of the word tecton. Uh, I forget where he gets the, where he gets the word from. That's the Greek for carpenter. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. So tecton is not, it's not just, just carpentry, but it's, it's a very hardworking person. He worked with stone and not just wood. Um, some of the, the image he uses is, as this very, not like, muscular like super muscular guy like you'd see in some kind of like muscle bodybuilding contest or anything like that Mr. But, yeah <laughs> but but someone who's a hard worker like all the time like every day that's what he does he's he's doing hard labor constantly all day from sun sun up to sundown kind of thing so he's he, he's someone who's who's dirty and sweaty all the time you know and being yeah. a frail old man he can't do that kind of work he can't Not be work out too no, you're yeah. gonna break a hip. Exactly. Yeah. Work out. At yeah. that point, at that point in your age, you'd be uh, being more taken care of. I just, right. So. And and so in that, I mean, that is a strong theory. So if you have your different degrees of evidence, or there's the first level is it's possible. Second level is it's plausible, and the third mm-hmm. level would be it's demonstrable. So I would put that. St. Joseph being described as a tecton, a carpenter, 
that shows that it's plausible that St. Joseph was uh, a young man. But it's not necessarily demonstrable because there could be exceptions to that. He could be, you know, head of a team of carpenters right. um, or head of a team of craftsmen or um, at the end of his uh, his work life. You know, so there's mm. there's there is po- a, the possibility of exceptions there. What I'm about to show you from Scripture is is a demonstration that St. Joseph is young. So this, this all happens in Luke one. So if you, um, BYOB, bring your own Bible to the Catholic nerds podcast. If you want to open up, uh, to Luke one. Okay. I feel like I'm not ready for this. Yeah. (laughs) Everybody grab your Bible. You should have prepared me for this. Uh. (laughs) Always be prepared to make a witness. If you don't, if you don't mind, what can I make a plug? Oh yeah. For the uh, uh for those who know me or or may not have known me, uh I work at Ave Maria Radio and we have our Ave Maria Radio app. And in it we have a Bible. <laughs> we have the Bible in, in our app. So uh, if you you know need a free Bible, boom, there you go. Awesome. Awesome. So we're really good at Luke one. Yeah, so we're gonna compare Luke chapter one verses eighteen and twenty-seven. Okay. Okay. Boom. I'm already there. Oh, that. That, that, How that. fast and easy. It's, in, it's inconceivable. <laughs> it's unnatural. Inconceivable. I don't land more in Asia. <laughs> so, verses 18 and 27. Uh, 18 is Zechariah speaking. And Zechariah says, uh, he's just been told that God has heard his prayers. And he says, how shall I know this? For I am an old man. And my wife is advanced in years. Okay. So the Greek word that Zechariah uses for old man is presbytes. All right. P-R-E-S-B-Y-T-E-S. Like, like a presbyter, like an elder in the church. Okay. Okay. Presbytes. Hold on to tuck that right in your head for a second. Just a couple verses later, verses 26 through 27, we have in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, verse 27, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Okay, so we have a different word for man here in verse 27. Uh, Joseph is described as a man, and that word in Greek is andri, kind of like andros or androgyny or androgynous. Um, so we have two Greek words, Andrew for man, for Joseph, and Presbytes for old man, for Zechariah. Okay, now here's where Dr. Petrie um, takes it to the next level. He, well, I want to hear this because I'm already convinced, honestly. Yeah, yeah done. <laughs> 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 okay, so. So Philo of Alexandria, he was a church father. In his writings on the creation, uh, this is paragraph 36, he provides a rubric or a schema for the ages of man in Greek in seven-year intervals. So each seven years of a, of a man's life, it has a, a specific Greek name. So for instance... 
uh, infant is for ages zero to seven, child for seven to 14, boy or lad for 14 to 21. For Andre, for Andros, that's the that's three groups of seven from 28 to 49 uh, are described as the same as Joseph was described. The Greek word Andre is used. Then you've got middle-aged man or elderly man, and then old man is presbytase, and that's ages 49 through 56. That's the age range of 49 through 56. Okay. So based on that rubric, we know that St. Joseph was between the ages of 28 and 49, and Zechariah, presbytase, was between the ages of 49 and 56. Ooh. Okay. So, and we can, we're going to about to take it a step further. This was, um, this next step, when I, I wrote the, an article about it, and I'll provide the link in uh, the show notes, I got some pushback on, and I think it's a legitimate question, why would Luke, how do we know that Luke is specifically using Philo's, Philo of Alexandria's rubric, these, mm. these names for each range, uh, age range of man? How do we know there's a connection there? And so I did some Jessica, research. How, Jessica, how do how do we know the connection there? No, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I opened up, <laughs> I opened up my book of Philo's writings. No, I had to had to find that. Um, <laughs> I went to the source material to Philo of Alexandria and where he's where he's providing this these ages of man and the Greek names for each age. And he's not providing them. He's quoting somebody. And this is where it gets interesting. He's quoting Hippocrates. Hippocrates, like the Hippocratic Oath. Hippocrates is the father of medicine, the Greek father of medicine. Now, let's go back. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let's go back. We to all Luke. know Luke. Luke is the uh... physician. Physician, right? yeah. I knew it started with a P. Just... Yeah, P-H. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for saving me there so I don't look silly. <laughs> <laughs> so Luke is a Greek-educated physician. So it is extremely likely that in his Greek education as a physician, he would, be, have, he would have read the writings of the father of Greek medicine. Like... Medicine 101, Greek medicine 101 would have been the writings of Hippocrates. There you go. So this was cool because this uh, shared it with Father Calloway and he was like, oh, wow, that's cool. And then I shared it with uh, Dr. Brant Petrie, uh, who provided, you know, this this whole idea in the first place, looking to Luke and the different names for man. And I was like, well, you know, I just wanted to show this to you, but clearly you've already thought about it. You know, surely this has occurred to you. And he's like, no. That I did not know that. (laughs) That is awesome. And that does strengthen the case. Uh, He said, we're dinging into the personal files of Scott. Scott Smith. (laughs) Yeah. So he, and he would just said, he wasn't arguing that Luke knew Philo, but that both Luke and Philo are using the same Greek words to mean the same thing. So I think a pun is in order. Could. (laughs) (laughs) So, it makes you think what other medical, what other terminology that Luke's using that might actually be medical terminology, you know, what insights it might give us into Luke's gospel. 
But you know how Luke under uh, he under at the beginning of his gospel he says, "I've undertaken to give you an orderly account of these events." So how's that for an orderly account? <laughs> Right, like a orderly in a hospital, haha. Ha. <laughs> and it's ordered because it's a rubric. Oh, so many, <laughs> so many good things. So, but let's let's recap that. Or do you want to, uh, Eric? Do you want to try and walk us through that to see, like, to make sure that we can explain it to each other and to if uh, other yeah. people are yeah. were like, I don't believe that. Well, let me give you the <laughs> okay. steps. Yeah. So, kind of going back to it again. So we got. We got Luke chapter 1, 18, right? Mm-hmm. So in there, and, and we're talking about Zechariah and it, using the term, or Luke is using the term for old man for Zechariah was presbytes. Yeah, think. I'm not sure how, I'd say presbytes, but you know. Presbytes, okay. Ancient Greek is not good. Right. <laughs> well, I'm not trained in any of it. So <laughs> uh, yeah, I think, I think, I guess simplifying it down for, for my brain. So uh, easily looking at the English text, you know, Zechariah is called an old man and St. Joseph is called just a man or a young man or a man. Yeah. Yeah. Just man. Just man. to a man whose name was Joseph. Yeah. And so we can, we can conclude from, from Luke's background as a physician um, learning the the greek and and all that stuff from hippocrates who which i for some something when i hear the word hippocrates i don't automatically think oh the hippocratic oath for some reason i think hypocrite for something yeah. for some reason. i don't think you're alone in that yeah so, <laughs> so that, that was my first thought but i'm glad i got you know, <laughs> yeah. i'm now on the level so as the young kids <laughs> say i guess yeah uh, <laughs> or Anyway, uh, but yeah, so him, him using the, the, the Greek uh, summary of classification of different, different age ranges for, for men and different words for that, um, using the word old man mean uh, in the Greek, it means someone who's very old, 56 or more, and man, there's three different classifications for it. So in depending on the word used, in the breakdown of each level being every seven years, mm-hmm. you know, the, the particular word that he used could mean anywhere from, you know, 27 to 49, 49 or so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward for me. So, and we can, I think it's interesting because follows quote of Hippocrates, there's a plug in here for beards. So I wanted to read a little bit of this. <laughs> uh, let's see. So the quote, is philo says but hippocrates the physician says that there are seven ages of man infancy childhood boyhood youth manhood there's andre middle age which is presbytes old age and that these two are measured by periods of seven though not in the same order and, and he speaks thus in the nature of man there are seven seasons which we call ages infancy childhood boyhood and the rest he is an infant Till he reaches his seventh year, the age of the shedding of his teeth. Huh. I guess that I guess that works. Yeah. He's a child <laughs> till he arrives at the age of puberty, which takes place in 14 years. He is a boy till his beard begins to grow. And when your beard begins to grow, we all know what 
you enter into. Yep. Man. <laughs> the beard signifies the create the courageous in man. Joseph, oh, yeah. most courageous. Pray for our beards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, at that time, as in the third period of seven years, he is a youth to the completion of the growth of his whole body. So yeah, actually, then you become a youth, then you become a man. And you're a man until your 49th year. And then after you become a middle-aged man. And then, then you get old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the, the presbytase actually corresponds with middle-aged man. So we translate Zechariah as old man, but actually be middle-aged man. Or in some translations, elderly man. Mm. You're elderly before you're old. <laughs> <laughs> i did not know that <laughs> and the ages of womanhood do not correspond with the growing of a beard thank god <laughs> they would never <laughs> they would never get out of their use right <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so hopefully that makes sense to everybody um like i say i uh have all this written down and in my uh article that i'll link to in the show notes and all the quotes and everything all kind of laid out. So if you have any questions about it, but that is demonstrable proof that mm. we have the age range of Joseph between 28 and 49. And so, I mean, the next question you might be asking yourself is, well, where is he in that age range? And you have the tradition of, of many saints that say he was either 30 or 33 the age at which Jesus began his public ministry or the age at which he uh, was crucified, which is interesting because that is also the age of Isaac. Mm. And he willingly offered himself because Abraham was even more than old man an old, old man uh, and could not have, forcibly tied him down as a sacrifice hog tied him mm -hmm. uh, he offered himself as a willing sacrifice and so as a type for christ and the hebrew word because you always think that isaac's a little boy when you read because he's called a lad but the word there in the hebrew is actually uh, i think it's na'ar n-a apostrophe a-r and those same words are that same word is used to describe Abraham's manservants, manservants, not boy servants. <laughs> so is it's, it's an interesting mystical connection, but it's also been the church's tradition that Jesus and Isaac were the same age at mm -hmm. their almost sacrifice and Jesus's consummated sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So just, just beautiful sweep of salvation history in that, that age of 33 that perfect age yeah yeah i think this is this is a really awesome find honestly it's um i mean i've i was already convinced that he was a younger man anyway but this this really puts the nail in the coffin honestly yeah. so i i i can't think of any other other way that you could more definitively prove that absolutely saint joseph was a young man and i i still want to go into Next, as I read Luke from now on, I'm going to be like, huh, I wonder if that's medical terminology. Because he also gives <laughs> yeah. us, you know, he Luke also wrote Acts. And he describes in Acts with really great detail, because he created an orderly account 
Mm. Um, a shipwreck, which is still like the greatest description of a shipwreck we have, like accurate description of a shipwreck we have from antiquity. So it's, you know, we should, there's a great amount of respect we should have for the authors of our gospels. Absolutely. Um, I've got, I've got, I've written some other articles that I mostly p- picked up from Father Calloway's book, but like Santo Anello, have you heard what that is, Eric? No, I've never even heard of that. It's so it's Santo Anello, you know, so it's saint, but mm-hmm. it's weird. It's, it's not a person. It's Saint Ring. Santo Anello is the Holy Ring, the Saint, you know, Saint Ring. Um, okay. It's <laughs> Mary and Joseph's wedding ring. Uh, and it's cool here i'll pull up my uh my cheat sheet my blog post (laughs) (laughs) this is why i have a blog ladies (laughs) so you can so you can keep track of everything (laughs) yeah because i forget all this stuff (laughs) (laughs) oh it's actually a very cool tie-in with blessed blessed and catherine emmerich um she had these visions she had just she was just suffered greatly but uh in her suffering she had these amazing visions so over the course of a few days blessed Anne catherine emmerich experienced several visions of mary and joseph's wedding and their wedding ring she also witnessed a double vision a contemporary scene overlaid on the scene of mary and joseph and what was happening there is that young married couples Mm. were we're bringing their rings to the same location. But Blessed Anne Catherine Emmerich didn't know there was a, didn't know we still had, that the church had Mary and Joseph's wedding ring. But uh, this church in, I think it's Perugia, Italy, it, that's where Santo Anello is kept. And it's, it's an interesting thing because it's like, it's donut shaped. It doesn't look like, you know, what you'd expect a modern day wedding ring, which right. also makes sense, right? <laughs> because yeah. A, Joseph couldn't afford a lamb for the slaughter. He had to buy two turtle doves. He was a poor family, so he was not mm. going to buy a ring of gold. And then secondly, De Beers, you know, with the whole diamond engagement ring, there's <laughs> been a lot of changes in terms of wedding mm. and engagement rings since Roman times. And right. they're not Roman, you know, they're living under Rome. Mm. Anyway, this this church in Perugia, newly married couples would take their wedding rings and touch them on a certain day of the year to Joseph and Mary's ring. I don't know if just maybe the most pious people thought it was actually Mary and Joseph's ring, but through Anne Catherine Emmerich, it was it was confirmed. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to have to post that that article, too. I got to read that. Yeah, that's is, is is very cool. That and so at some point, I don't know if she ever found out or not that that this was Perugia and that and that's why she was having a double vision of people putting their rings on the ring. Yeah, she had no idea about any of that and she could see it happening. And it just so happened on the day she was having those visions, that was the day, it's one day a year that all the married couples are allowed to touch their wedding rings to uh, Santo Anello. I don't know if that's still, uh, I don't know if they're still allowed to do it. Cause it, it um, you, if you look at it, you're like, oof, that may be delicate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, I got to look at a picture now. Yeah. I think I see it. It's got like, it's like attached to like a little crown thing. 
Yeah. And it's just like dangling. Okay. It's yeah. I I don't it looks it, like looks like a lifesaver. Yes. <laughs> looks like a lifesaver that's partially finished. Right, yeah. <laughs> like halfway. Like somebody's, been, somebody's already been sucking on for a little bit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you're like, oh, it's about to slip down my throat. I'm gonna right, choke yeah. on it. Yeah, that that stage of lifesaver. Right. So apparently it's iridescent. I I don't know if it's carved amber or carved quartz. Uh, I don't know what it's made of, but it, it is, it's very, you look at it and you're like, so what is that? <laughs> yeah. It's like, how do you put that in your finger? <laughs> I can't yeah. imagine wearing, wearing something like that. But yeah. yeah. And the, that the blessed mother's dainty little finger would have fit through there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I can't see it like a size. I, I see it in some different uh, monstrances or not monstrances, uh, different, uh, I think they do call it Sorry. a monstrance. Yeah. Is it? It's okay. like a reliquary, but a reliquary. That's the word I was looking for. But yeah. Yeah. Because it's kind of hard to gauge the size of it. But yeah. But yeah. And Anne Catherine's oh, yeah, diary. Cool. Yeah. In her, in her diary, this is the quote from her diary. In the last few days, I've seen much of the story of Mary's wedding ring. But as a result of disturbances and pain, I can no longer give a connected account of it. Today, I saw a festival in a church in Italy where the wedding ring is to be found. It seemed to me to be hung up in a kind of monstrance which stood above the tabernacle. There was a large altar there, magnificently decorated. One saw it deep into it through much silver work. I saw many rings being held against the monstrance. During the festival, I saw Mary and Joseph appearing in their wedding garments on each side of the ring, as if Joseph were placing the ring on the Blessed Virgin's finger. At the same time, I saw the ring shining and as if in movement. So she's seeing this festival, uh, this uh, annual festival in in Italy happening. And she's like, I don't understand what's going on. And (laughs) she had no idea this was uh, this was an actual place. She had never learned about it. It's just very cool. Yeah. What a beautiful church we have. What a beautiful faith we have that we have such such physical things that tie our faith together through history. It's beautiful. And well, there's, there's another um, connection between, well, lots of connection between Nazareth and Italy, but um, (laughs) one that father Calloway likes another one, father Calloway likes to talk about in his consecration to St. Joseph is the Holy house of Nazareth. It kind of got lost in legend and time. Hmm kind of like Santo Anello did. Uh, and it was just supposed to be this, this house of this Angelo's family or, or something like, you know, angel in the last name. Uh, so that's kind of how, what is it in Lord of the Rings? Uh, history becomes myth, myth becomes legend, and then it passes out of all knowledge, something like that. I can't remember. <laughs> But you know, it's uh, Galadriel. Sounds like a quote. Yeah, I should know. <laughs> yeah. It's um, the house, Mary and Joseph's house in Nazareth was plucked out of Israel and delivered to Italy. And you're like, well, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's just impossible. But there's actual archaeological evidence that this happened. And you're like, well, why would this happen? Because just years after that house was was plucked out and saved from Nazareth, then Muslims took over the Holy Land 
and Gosh. destroyed all you know so many of the the relics of uh of uh, the holy land mm. so and you can you can look up this uh holy house of nazareth it might even be called the holy house of loretto because there's the loretto stair staircase as well in new mm. mexico that's another thing to talk about with saint joseph it probably wasn't too hard they just put it they just put the house on a trailer hooked it up to a ford f-150 and brought it to italy right. right yeah i mean there's you know a good interstate <laughs> between um nazareth and and rome you know <laughs> all roads think, lead to rome <laughs> i don't think the appian <laughs> way went through the bywater of nazareth <laughs> there's no paved like when when joseph and family were traveling to jerusalem every year for for passover and for their pilgrimage you know that or when Mary was on the back of a donkey going to Bethlehem, they were not taking nice paved roads for yeah. sure. Oh man, I can I mean I know I can't experience childbirth, but I can't imagine yeah. trying to do that, trying to do it on that on that road, sitting on the donkey the whole way, pregnant, you know, that's well man, people back then were tough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean you think um you think rolling around on that inflatable balls gonna get you ready for childbirth? Imagine <laughs> having right. balance yeah. on top of a donkey. Yeah. <laughs> Side saddle. Oh man. You know? I feel like we just went through that. So I'm like, oh, that's perfect. That's <laughs> that is the exact analogy you needed yeah. to use. <laughs> Imagine like you're not on horseback, you're on donkey back. Like a horse, that's yeah. a big creature. Like you can mm. kind of, you know, that's just like this is like an armchair versus a couch, you right. know, a donkey versus horse. <laughs> I wonder what kind of suspension system, like yeah. comparatively between the two animals. Oh, I'm sure you had some nice hydraulic shocks on the yeah. hooves. Yeah. <laughs> Very comfortable. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and sure the, the donkey's going to be like laid down with, with supplies and stuff like that too. So it's going to maybe sway a little bit more. I mean, I'm, a, I'm yeah. not a farmer or anything like that. You, you would probably have, better knowledge of that than i would but well and, uh, blessed, and the blessed mother being full of grace probably was very good at swaying with the mm-hmm. donkey but yep. if it were me i'd be knocked <laughs> off several times <laughs> so anyway the the holy house of nazareth the building structure fits similar houses that have been uncovered uh, on archaeological digs to the house the house in italy matches the houses they found in jerusalem and the surrounding area mm. um like the the brick pattern or the 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 pattern of the walls matches like the the construction matches but they have also done some studies i think it's on the soil or pollen samples kind of like with the shroud of turin that match right, the yeah. holy land just some very very odd things to find in a house in italy yeah it it fits the evidence fits uh i i guess guess we've kind of reached our mark i wanted to talk hmm. about the the staircase the miraculous staircase of loretto are you familiar with that eric no not even that that one's really cool too so if you ever go through santa fe there's a staircase there that it has um exterior supports now but it didn't for most of its construction this is a miraculous staircase it's all like one piece of wood it the wood is uh, a, a spruce that I think it's spruce that is only found in the Holy Land. 
it's a helix shape, like the DNA, like shape of DNA, like a double yeah. helix. Mm. So, and this is the, the sisters of Loretto. They built this chapel for themselves, Frontier Times um, in Santa Fe. And all they had to get to the choir loft was a ladder. Um, it may have been a rope ladder. So the nuns prayed that uh, a carpenter would come to build them a staircase. Mm. and so this stranger arrives builds him a staircase he wouldn't allow anybody into the chapel when he was working when the when the sisters later tried to pay the bill at the lumber yard they said what are you talking about lumber yards like no one came no one bought lumber from here you know not like santa fe had a lot of lumber yards there in mm. not exactly timber country the itinerant carpenter, when he left, he would accept no money for his work. And so the, the sisters realized after he left that that had been St. Joseph. And he built them this miraculous staircase. Oh. And so, awesome. yeah, uh, I'll, you know, I'll just, I'm looking at pictures of it right now. And it's like, wow, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's when it was originally it's all, built, in, all in one solid piece. How do you do that? Yeah, no um, nails no glue <laughs> the banisters insane. were added later i think do you yeah. remember in the movie contact uh, with jody foster where they make I don't that i've ever seen that oh, okay well there's a chair like she gets into <laughs> like the the aliens send blueprints to make a transport to get her across the universe you know mm. and they're like oh well we got to put a chair in there <laughs> so like she's sitting in this chair as at liftoff and it's like shaking and she's about to like uh-huh. be ripped apart because <laughs> the chair is shaking, shaking so much. And then eventually poof, the, the nuts and bolts of the chair come loose and she's like perfectly still, you know, she's like just hanging uh-huh. there perfectly. Um, didn't need a chair. That's, uh, that's kind of like they added banisters to the staircase and yeah. maybe some extra supports and stuff. But, without it was made perfect without any of those um supports or yeah. uh, banisters yeah I'm and yet, like picture pictures of both with and without the banisters and it's just like wow and it's Sorry. crazy anyway, no, nails, <laughs> no nails were used and the wood is is wood that cannot could not be found anywhere near santa fe or even on this mm. continent wow and it's not like this man came with his own supply of wood, you know, from the <laughs> Holy land. Yeah. Just remarkable. Um, and he only had simple tools. You know, they only saw very simple tools with him. Uh, but he, he was pushed in to the chapel in a wheelchair because he was so old. Huh? No, he wasn't. <laughs> oh, okay. You're, you're being, being facetious. I'm being facetious. <laughs> this was a man young enough to handle such a project. So any uh, any thoughts uh, uh, about St. Joseph or things that we should share? I just I wanted, I wanted tonight to be a night where we could just share some of these awesome things about St. Joseph. And there's just, there's way more than we could. Yeah. I think, I think really my relationship with St. Joseph is, is, I think I need to start growing a relationship with St. Joseph because like what 
I know in my life, I need more of that, that manly or that, that fatherly, I guess. Yeah. That, that more fatherly role model. Mm-hmm. And not that, not that like I'm dissing my own father or anything like that, but uh, someone, someone to, to really look to as, as like the more perfect father. Yeah. Um, so someone who, who went through the things that he went through and and still still did it because of his faith you know because he yeah and let's let's dig into that for a second yeah um so god created this man mm. who joseph who in marrying mary shared in all her graces yeah that's why we can say St. Joseph is the most chaste, St. Joseph is the most obedient, St. Joseph is the most courageous. Not only that, God the Father wanted to create an icon of manhood to teach Jesus in his human nature how to be a man, a human yeah. man. And, that, and God created Joseph to do that. And that's super powerful. And... Yeah. <laughs> And and how Joseph treated his wife Mary, the most beautiful woman in the history of the cosmos, <laughs> yeah. because she was created by the Father to be the mother of the Son, as the spouse of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> From all time, the very first prophecy in human history mm-hmm. is is Pretty God. Fantastic. Yeah, God, the Protevangelium at Genesis 3.15, God's cursing the surf, serpent. He's like, the woman's going to come and kick your butt. <laughs> <laughs> well, crush your skull, you know. Yeah, her heel shall, crush your, shall yeah. crush your skull. Or, you know, her son is going to crush the skull, you know, which, however you, if you go the St. Yeah. Jerome route, or if you go the other route, whatever. <laughs> um, so, so St. Joseph, if he was an, a 98-year-old geriatric marrying the most beautiful woman ever, what does that tell us about chastity? Mm-hmm. But if he's a young, virile man, right? Virile, same root word as virtue, virtus. What does that say about Mary's perpetual virginity mm-hmm. and Joseph's chasteness? I mean... Absolutely. The most beautiful woman ever. When, whenever you have the children at Fatima or at Lourdes or any of these Marian apparitions, uh, I can't remember which one it was, but they described this, this sound of rustling silk beside them. And then they saw the most beautiful woman ever. And mm-hmm. at some point they realized, oh, this is the Blessed Mother. <laughs> But that the first struck by her beauty, Father Calloway himself, in the depths of his um, pre-conversion days, you know, just getting out of a couple of drug rehab clinics, and uh, after you know being kicked out of Japan for running with the Japanese mafia, and then following the Grateful Dead for you know not a good amount of time, getting arrested mm-hmm. here in Louisiana for taking two cases of beer out of the Piggly Wiggly without paying for him. <laughs> um, he was first attracted by this image, by the image of Mary, Our Lady of Medjugorje. 
it was the beauty of Mary that first that that first pierced the 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 haze and the fog of uh, his addictions. Mm-hmm. Beauty powerful enough to do that, married to a young man, a chaste man. You know, yeah, it's it's striking. Yeah, very. It's an incredible story. I guess I, that also kind of opens up another thing. I, wasn't it the Proto-Evangelium as well that said that Joseph had other children before Mary? Right. So that's a Proto-Evangelium of St. And, and to make the distinction, the Proto-Evangelium right. of St. James is a, mm-hmm. a book written in the first few centuries AD after Christ. Mm-hmm. The Proto-Evangelium, just the word Proto-Evangelium is Genesis 3.15, the first gospel. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Right. So the pro- <laughs> and yes, so in the Proto Evangelium of St. James, uh Joseph is described as a widower with children from a previous marriage. Mm-hmm. And so this is used as explanation for the brothers of Christ. Right. Um, which is not you don't need that to um the word there for brothers of Christ is a delphoi. Mm-hmm. Like another uh, word you see using that same Greek stem, a delphoi is Philadelphia. Just because Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love, that doesn't mean all the men in the city are brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's that term doesn't equate to um, having the same mother right, and right. same father. But anyway, yeah, St. Joseph, very unlikely that he had any other children, that this was his, this was his one and only bride. Mm-hmm. <sighs> There's so much we could say about him. <laughs> You know, he tried to put away his wife quietly. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the divorce thing, and we, we read that and we're like, ah, I don't know if I can. This guy seems kind of, he's about to ditch the blessed mother. <laughs> but yeah, the reason you think about like what was what was the custom of something happening like that? Yeah. Back in the well, day. yeah, was, he didn't want her to get stoned. Yeah, exactly. So oh. it, was a, it, was a, it was a mercy to do that for him. Well, so there's that interpretation. There's also the interpretation from the church fathers that he did that because the stupefaction theory that he was stupefied, that he was scared to death because being this great man, he, or just any good Jew, uh, hearing all these things that Mary's saying, he would know that this is the Ark of the New Covenant. He mm-hmm. would know like what just happened to Zechariah getting struck dumb in the Holy of Holies, right? Where the Ark of the Covenant was, the old Ark of the Covenant. He knows that people that touch the Ark of the Covenant get smote, like Uzzah right, yeah. in mm-hmm. Second Samuel 6. So if he's to marry the Blessed Mother, he... The Ark of the Covenant. <laughs> the Ark of the New Covenant, mm-hmm. he's... He, to consummate that marriage, he has to go into the Holy of Holies. Right. And, and out of reverence, he's like, I am not worthy for this. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, the blessing is that it's a virgin birth and Mary's perpetually virgin. No, no smoting necessary. <laughs> I mean, just all these things start to, to make sense that God was holding back his greatest army for manhood for this time of so-called toxic masculinity this this time when men have lost their way and so has the family you know that half of marriages at least in america are likely in more than half are likely to end in divorce this is the time for saint joseph absolutely yeah yes sir
As you, as you can see, I like to talk about St. Joe's. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> Understatement of the century. <laughs> I'm going to pull up the St. Joseph consecration that Father Callaway and I put together. So just, just like the consecration of St. Joseph, I wasn't going to rewrite what Father Callaway had written because <laughs> it was awesome. So uh-huh. what I did was... St. Joseph, Father Calloway's book is each day of the consecration, the 33 days of consecration is based on the titles of St. Joseph in the litany of St. Joseph. So, for example, day 16, uh, Joseph most just, day 17, Joseph most chaste, day 18, Joseph most prudent. So I took these, I took what was in Father Calloway's, uh, I mean, so much of it is directly from Father Calloway's book, but I I used children's stories, children's movies to to talk about these things. Um, yeah. So, oh, here's one. Dave four, God, the son, redeemer of the world, have mercy on us. Um, so, you know, the beginning of the St. Joseph litany, you have, have the, have mercy on us. God, the father, you know, God, the son, then you get into St. Joseph titles. But this one talked about, Father Calloway talked about the false gods of Egypt falling down before Jesus when they went mm-hmm. into Egypt and the plagues of Egypt that came in the Exodus. Mm-hmm. So I talk about some false gods that we can destroy in our lives by reference to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And, <laughs> you know, all those vicious children, right? Children that mm-hmm. each were kind of based on a specific vice. So... Yeah. You know, those are the false gods that need, we need to be need to destroy in our lives, like Augustus Gloop, right? He wants to eat everything, even an entire chocolate river. So he represents gluttony. How can we destroy the false god, the the vice of gluttony in our lives? And uh, let's see, Veruca Salt wants to own everything. Hmm. She wants it all from her own Oompa Loompa to her own golden goose. She represents greed. So how can we teach children how to defeat greed. You know, we go into Narnia, St. George, some of our uh, Cinderella, like Cinderella's fairy godmother and the early depictions of it, her godmother is depicted as an angel. Not like a magical godmother, but an angel. Mm. You know, Anne of Green Gables, who had had a foster father, Matthew Cuthbert. Mm -hmm. Finding Nemo, you know, the father's journey to find his son. Nice, nice. Um, Lion King about the sacrifice of the father. But anyway, yeah. so there's there's great. This is great for fathers and and mothers to do with their with their kids. Awesome. So where can we find the book, and when can we find the book? Right now, I'm being told May first, Feast of Saint Joseph the Worker, is the release date. Nice. There's a great story. I got an article. I'll post that about Saint Joseph the Worker. <laughs> <There we laughs> that <go>. was. <laughs> The Pope's... Uh, we got another hour to add there. <laughs> yeah, I'll try and be quick with this one. Communist Workers' Day was being celebrated by the communists. And so the Popes were like, mm. oh, yeah, we can do that. And then they're doing that on May 1st, May Day, right? <laughs> and the Popes were like, oh, yeah, we can play that game. Um, we're going to put St. Joseph the Worker on that day. Teach you what Damn. the worker really, the dignity of the worker is really about. It's not about communism. Nice. <laughs> so... There you have it, folks. I think going back to what I said earlier, yeah, I really just learning more and more about St. Joseph and and realizing the 
relationship today's men need to have with him. So we need to definitely add the litany of St. Joseph to our, our prayer life. Add it after your rosary. I'll, yeah, I'll add one thing, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and we could go into the whole pa- Joseph patriarch with this too, but Joseph's <laughs> <we> name. <laughs> yeah, that'll take another hour. But Joseph's name. Do you, have you ever heard what it means? Nothing I can think of, I guess. <laughs> it's like, it, I mean, I've probably looked at it, looked it like, up before, but I can't. You look at it and you're like, that doesn't look like anything else. But the mm. Joseph's name means increase. Okay. So St. Joseph is the increaser. St. Joseph, we invoke him to increase our virtues, to increase our virtue of, of chastity, increase our mm. virtue of obedience, of humility, of faith, hope, love, charity, prudence, you know, yeah. all the virtues. Um, Father Chris Decker, who illustrated the consecration to St. Joseph for children and families, did a cool superhero version of um, St. Joseph as the increaser. Nice. <laughs> so yeah. Ite ad Joseph, go to Joseph. That's the words of Pharaoh. It's probably also the words of the blessed mother when Jesus had something mm. that his father needed to help him with. Yeah. So thank you for nerding out with us, the Catholic nerds. This has been Scott Smith and Eric Dumont. Please do subscribe to this podcast and share it with all your friends, Catholic or not, old Joseph or young Joseph believers. (laughs) And remember, kids, old men don't walk into Egypt.